Are you seeking fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Talbot, and I'm so excited you decided to join us again for our series on women of the Bible. This week, we are going through struggling women of the Bible. These are women that we know their names, but we also know their struggles. And we are seeing a particular struggle that a lot of women uh, have, including myself sometimes, and is waiting. When God says, wait, and we just have to wait for His plans to take place. Because probably the hardest thing to, to do is surrender to God's timing. Um, his His clock has never matched my watch. And, and uh, that's one of the things I had to learn in my life to trust God's timing too. Perhaps you have heard the story of the quilt. It's one of my favorite stories. There was this woman who loved to quilt. And his her little boy used to just be playing around when she was quilting. and uh, But his view of the quilt was from below because he was um, he was playing with his toys in the floor on the floor and, and his, his mother was doing a quilt. So he would look up and see all these threats, these colors, and it was making no sense to him until one day he said to his mother, Mom, this thing you're making is so ugly. It's all these different threads coming out and they don't make any patterns. And wh- what are you really doing? And the mom said, wait till I'm done. And then you can come and sit on my lap and see my view of the quilt. And you're going to see a beautiful pattern. And that's what happened. And when she was done, she says, it's time. You can now see it from my viewpoint. And you know, the boy was amazed. The quilt was so beautiful, seen from above. It had a beautiful scenery. And and, uh, he said, wow, what a difference it makes. And I thought of of my life. (laughs) I think one day Jesus is going to call me and say, hey, come and see the quilt from above. Because there's so many things in your life that don't make any sense from down here. But they will make all the sense in the world from God's point of view. So at some point in my life, I just made a decision to try his view of my life. And Hannah had to make that decision too. She was a, a woman who was childless, which was such a tragedy for her culture. And she kept waiting to see if she could conceive. And, and on top of that, she was in distress. And on top of that, she was being made fun of by the second wife of her husband. And so today we're going to see this woman. Her name is Hannah and is at the beginning of the book of First Samuel. Because, of course, we know how it ends, but she didn't. So we're going to go through some verses that show us how God chooses people uh, in spite of the fact that we might have our own agenda, my own time, uh, our own timing, but if you surrender to God's timing and to God's agenda, it ends up in a really, really good place. So today, let's start from the very beginning of First Samuel chapter one to see the struggles of this woman, and uh, I I pray that if you are in a place like her today, this this broadcast will bring you hope. The first thing we know is that she was childless. It was almost like a disease at that time. And let me read to you verse 2 of 1 Samuel chapter 1 that is talking about this man whose name was Elkanah. And I pick it up on verse 2. He had two wives. 
which I think is already a problem. But uh, he had two wives, and the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This is how this woman is introduced. You know when you know a person not by their name, but by what's wrong with them? You know when, when somebody says, hey, there goes the jailbird, there goes the adulteress, there goes or whatever the name may be. Well, this was, there goes the childless one. And this was considered to be a curse from God. Why wasn't your womb open to bear children? What did you do wrong? You know those people that try to encourage you in the hospital and they end up discouraging you like, what's wrong with you? There must be a sin in your life. That's why you have this disease. When my parents went through cancer, so many people had just ugly things to say when when I, I knew... <laughs> <laughs> to be exactly the opposite of what they were saying. Um, don't bring those type of encouragers to my hospital room. I don't want to hear about it because because God, people have a viewpoint of things and God has a very different one. This 3,000 years ago, struggling with infertility was really a, a curse. And she had a rival on top of everything. Like, like if being childless was not enough, she had the other wife, the rival, Penina, who was with child. So this would have been considered a blessing from God. So we have the cursed one versus the blessed one. How different God's view of Hannah was. He was he was expecting um, her to just wait a little longer until the right time came for a child who would bless many people and would make history and we will see all of that. But of course, she didn't know that. Life will be so easy if we could learn the lessons backwards, right? To see, oh, that's why that happened. But when it's happening, you never know because, because the future is still ahead of you. On top of that, she was provoked regularly. I hope you're not in that, in that type of place. But sometimes in the workplace or at home or in school, you are just constantly bullied by somebody. And this was the case with Hannah. And I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her and she wept and would not eat. Wow. They used to go as a family. <laughs> I don't know what this family trip looked like, but, but this man, Elkanah, used to take his two wives and the children to this place called Shiloh. This is where... Um, the the place where you met the Lord was before the temple of David eventually was in another city. But Shiloh was 20 miles north of Jerusalem. It was considered to be a sacred place where you meet with God and where you could talk to God. And And here they are in one of these trips. And, and uh, let me read verse 3 and 4. This man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. When they, they came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. And that's when her rival used to make provoke her and make fun of her. Poor, poor, <laughs> this poor man thought that he could um, minister to, to her heart with food. <laughs> I think it's, it's kind of cute that he's trying to comfort her, but he is clueless. And at one point we know that he's clueless because of verse 8. You know, Hannah is crying because she's childless. And, and Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Oh, only a clueless man could ask that question. He's trying to say, hey, I'm here. Why do you need kids? And uh, she, nobody could understand her. 
So being that they were in Shiloh, she says, this is the opportunity to open up to God. She's greatly distressed and she decides to go and make a vow and she goes to the temple. Um, Verse 9, Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh, and Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly and made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, you will give your maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall not a razor shall not come on his head. This is the type of vow called the Nazarite um, vow that it, it was not a temporary uh, vow. It was uh, it was for life. You can read more about this type of vows in Numbers chapter six, verses one to twenty one. And she makes this vow and says, "If you would give me this child, I would give him back to you, and you can do great things with him." I know. I know. I've been there where you're trying to almost bargain with the Lord. And the only thing worse that can happen, happened to this woman. I mean, you go to church and you're so distressed, and nothing's going your way and, and the timing is not working out and, and all the dreams you had are shattering. And on top of that, you're in church and then somebody says something in church to make it worse. You know, you, you just went to the one place where you think you're going to find peace and quiet and, and, and here the pastor of the church says to her, you must be drunk. That's why your lips are moving. Oh man. By the way, if this ever happened to you, I'm so, I'm so sorry. God knows the heart. We as pastors sometimes make big mistakes. And in this case, Eli, the priest made a big mistake. She, he was watching her mouth and, and he thought, <laughs> she, he thought she was drunk. Verse 12, it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. The, poor, poor Hannah, nothing's going to write for her. And on top of that, Eli thinks she's drunk. And Hannah replied with great respect, which I admire because I don't know if I could have responded with such respect. No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. And Eli felt bad. Talk about putting your foot in your mouth. He felt bad and, and he gave her a blessing as part of the apology. Eli answered and said, go in peace and may God, the God of Israel, grant your petition that you have asked of him. So, verse 17 here, we have him giving her a blessing. He felt so bad. Not only she was provoked and distressed and childless, but she had come to church to find a safe place, and she did not find a safe place. And he said, oh, I'm I'm sorry about this. May God give you what you were expecting. Well, guess what? The vow is fulfilled, and she does conceive. She's, she gets up from there. She's no longer sad. We are told that she ate and was no longer sad because, you know, some, sometimes you have to unburden yourself because, you know, the world gets heavy when you're carrying all these things. At some point, you got to surrender them. And God gave her a son, verse 20. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. And Samuel became a great prophet. And as she had promised, when he was three years old, she gave up the boy to God and, and he was in the temple. And, and when she gave this boy to God, she 
sang. And this, this is Hannah's song of Thanksgiving, chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, is one of the most beautiful songs that we have in all of Scripture. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. I will rejoice in your salvation, etc., etc. And, and I hope you take a time to read it, because this song became the basis for the song that Mary sang in the New Testament when she found out that she was pregnant of the Holy Spirit with Jesus. So this is called the Old Testament the Old Testament Magnificat because it starts with the same words in Latin, my heart exalts in the Lord. But this also became the Magnificat of Mary who used this song of Hannah to do the song herself when she realized that she would bear Jesus. What is very interesting to me is that the prophet Samuel eventually anointed King David. And King David eventually became the ancestor of Jesus. And here we have Mary singing because the Davidic king Jesus is about to, to be born, and she's using Hannah's song. Wouldn't it be great if you knew the story backwards? Uh, you know, Santa, Samuel, David, Mary, the Savior, start from the beginning. Jesus, then Mary, then David, then Samuel, then Hannah. It's so much easier when you see it like that. But we are not given that type of perspective. Only heaven knows the perspective. So I used to have a, a great phrase that I carried with me in a keychain. He said, I don't know the master plan, but I know the master planned it, and I am included. The master plans versus master plans. <laughs> we don't know the master plans, but we know the master who plans, and we can surrender our time. We've all been chosen for something that God has in mind. So trust his viewpoint, trust his quilt, trust his timing. Jesus' death was the main master plan. You are no accident, and your salvation is not an accident either. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to hurt you, plans of hope and a future. So surrender today to the plan of God and accept his salvation, and you already know the end from the beginning. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101institute.org. That's Jesus101institute.org. Until next time, live free.